For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning. Hi, I'm Asian Nancy. I think actually maybe I know everyone here. Um, can you hear me okay? Okay, wonderful. Um, that is great. I have been having massive computer failures today, so please bear with me if I have another one. I have been, for the past couple months, reading a book called The Wholehearted Way, and so when Tygen asked for a title for my talk, I said, well, okay, I'll talk about The Wholehearted Way, but that was, you know, what I planned to do a month ago, and, uh, since then, I have been kind of, um, you know, humbled, basically, by trying to give a talk that does justice to the wholehearted way. So this is by no means a definitive concept or, or, or talk on this, but I will, I will do my humble best um, to talk a little bit about the wholehearted way. And to start with, the title, The Wholehearted Way, actually refers to a book uh, on the text Ben Wa by Ehe Dogen. And in the book, there's also a, a long, extensive commentary by Uchiyama Roshi, who was Shohaku Okamura's teacher. And I think lots of people have given lots of comment on Ben Wa. So I want to talk a little bit about Ben Wa. I want to talk about wholeheartedness and see where we go from there. So the title, Bendowa, can be translated to mean um, to put our whole energy into practicing the way. It can also be translated as um, distinguishing true ways from false ways. And I think, I think Dogen does a little bit of both within this. Bendowa is one of the writings of Dogen that lays out the foundation of his teaching on the unity of practice and realization, along with, I think, um, especially the Fukan Zazengi, which we study and chant, and Genjo Koan, which we also often chant and study. Benda Wa was written not long after Dogen returned from China in around 20, 12, 20, 20, 1227, when Dogen was about 27. And it's thought actually to be written in response to a discussion that he had with a student who would later become his successor, Koen Ejo, at their first meeting. And the text starts with a discourse about the wholehearted practice of the way and concludes with Dogen posing and then answering 18 common questions of about practice and the way. And though, you know, those were common questions of the time. You know, most of our, much of our understanding of Zen practice has been heavily influenced by Dogen. But in Dogen's time in Japan, especially before going to China, Dogen felt very unsatisfied with his own understanding. He felt that the way was not being correctly practiced or taught in Japan. And so he traveled to China to learn hopefully, you know, the true Dharma. 
from about 1223 to 1227. And in China, Dogen practiced under the great teacher Chan Tong and finally found what he had been looking for. He felt he was able to clarify the great matter of life and death. And then short, sometime thereafter, returned to Japan. And I think very similar to you know, accounts of Shakyamuni Buddha after his awakening, I think it seems like Dogen maybe felt some conflict between wanting to spread the Dharma and teach others and fearing that he might not be understood, he might not be able to make himself understood, he might not find sincere practitioners who wanted to and were able to hear his teachings. So I think Dogen maybe also felt a little bit humbled by the task that was before him. And you know, the questions in Bendawa reflect Dogen's effort to respond to these common questions of his time. Um, and and, and Bendawa itself is really centered around the practice and concept of Jijuyu Zamai. Um, we will be chanting Jijuyu Zamai later in our service, and I'll actually read it for you maybe during this talk. Uh, Jijuyu Zamai is sometimes translated as the self-fulfillment samadhi. And it is composed of passages from Bendawa. To break it down, Jijuyu. Ji in Jijuyu means self, and the Ju means to receive, and the Yu is func means function or use. So Jijuyu would be the self-receiving function or use. And then Zamai is Samadhi, or concentration, or meditation. And so Dogen begins Bendowa by stating that all Buddha Tathagatas together have been simply transmitting wondrous dharma and actualizing unsurpassed, complete, perfect enlightenment for which there is an unsurpassable, unfabricated, wondrous method. This wondrous dharma, which has been transmitted only from Buddha to Buddha without deviation, has as its foundation Jujuyu Zamai which is really another term for zazen. This is all about the importance of zazen as the one supreme vehicle for attaining the way and for realization and awakening. And zazen as compared to maybe other practices, um, such as, you know, chanting or burning incense or studying words or gaining merit or other types of intellectual knowledge. I, it seems that much of Buddhism in Japan prior to Dogen was, people got caught up in intellectual knowledge a lot, and, and Dogen does a lot to try to cut through that. Um, and in his other texts, especially Fukan Zazengi, he talks specifically about Zazen and how to practice Zazen and, and why this is important. And, and Zazen really formed the center of Dogen's new, you know, teaching in, in Japan about, about practice and, and how the text goes on to describe Jujuyu Zamai and how practitioners can express it through Zazen. But, you know, rather than give you a book report... <laughs> Um, I think I will just read you Jijuyu Zamai, and then I want to talk really about two concepts. I want to talk about the self, and I want to talk about wholeheartedness, but I will start by reading Jijuyu Zamai, and maybe Ruben or David 
I know that we will be chanting this later on. So would you be able to bring up the text so that people can read along while I, while I just read it? Thank you. Jujuyu's am I, the self-fulfillment samadhi, for all ancestors and Buddhas who have been dwelling in and maintaining Buddha Dharma, practicing upright sitting in Jujuyu samadhi is the true path for opening up enlightenment. Both in India and in China, those who attained enlightenment have followed this way. This is because each teacher and each disciple has been intimately and correctly transmitting this subtle method and receiving and maintaining its true spirit. According to the unmistakably, unmistakably handed down tradition, the straightforward Buddha Dharma that has been simply transmitted is supreme among the supreme. From the time you begin practicing with a teacher, the practices of incense burning, bowing, nembutsu, repentance, and reading sutras are not at all essential. Just sit, dropping off body and mind. When one displays the Buddha mudra with one's whole body and mind, Sitting upright in this samadhi, even for a short time, everything in the entire Dharma world becomes Buddha Mudra, and all space in the universe completely becomes enlightenment. Therefore, it enables Buddha Tathagatas to increase the Dharma joy of their own original grounds and renew the adornment of the way of awakening. Simultaneously, all living beings of the Dharma world in the ten directions and six realms become clear and pure in body and mind, realize great emancipation and their own original face appears. At that time, all things together awaken to supreme enlightenment and utilize Buddha body, immediately go beyond the culmination of awakening and sit upright under the regal Bodhi tree. At the same time, they turn the incomparable great Dharma wheel and begin expressing ultimate and unfabricated profound prajna. There is a path through which the unsurpassed complete enlightenment of all things returns to the person in Zazen, and that person and the enlightenment of all things intimately and imperceptibly assist each other. Therefore, this Zazen person without fail drops off body and mind, cuts away previous tainted views and thoughts, awakens genuine Buddha Dharma, universally helps the Buddha work in each place as numerous as atoms, where Buddha Tathagatas teach and practice, and widely influences practitioners who are going beyond Buddha, thereby vigorously exalting the Dharma that goes beyond Buddha. At this time, because earth, grasses and trees, fences and walls, tiles and pebbles, and all things in every direction in the universe carry out Buddha work, so everyone receives the benefit of wind and water movement caused by this functioning, and all are imperceptibly helped by the wondrous and incomprehensible influence of Buddha to actualize the enlightenment at hand. Since those who receive and use this water and fire extend the Buddha influence of original enlightenment, all who live and talk with these people also share and universally unfold the boundless Buddha virtue, and they circulate the inexhaustible, ceaseless, incomprehensible, and immeasurable Buddha Dharma within and without the whole Dharma world. However, these various mutual influences do not mix into the perceptions of this person sitting because they take place within stillness without any fabrication and they are enlightenment itself. If practice and enlightenment were separate as people commonly believe, 
as people believed, especially in Dogen's time, it would be possible for them to perceive each other. But that which is associated with perceptions cannot be the standard of enlightenment because deluded human sentiment cannot reach the standard of enlightenment. Moreover, although both mind and object appear and disappear within stillness, because this takes place in the realm of Jijuyu, self-receiving and self-employing, without moving a speck of dust or destroying a single form, extensive Buddha work and profound, subtle Buddha influence are carried out. The grass, trees, and earth affected by this functioning together radiate great brilliance and endlessly expound the deep wondrous dharma. Grasses and trees, fences and walls demonstrate and exalt it for the sake of living beings, both ordinary and sage. In turn, living beings, both ordinary and sage, express and unfold it for the sake of grasses and trees, fences and walls. The realm of self-awakening and awakening others is fundamentally endowed with the quality of enlightenment with nothing lacking, and allows the standard of enlightenment to be actualized ceaselessly. Therefore, even if only one person sits for a short time, because this zazen is one with all existence and completely permeates all time, it performs everlasting Buddha guidance within the inexhaustible Dharma world in the past, present, and future. Zazen is equally the same practice and the same enlightenment for both the person sitting and for all dhammas. The melodious sound continues to resonate as it echoes, not only during sitting practice, but before and after striking shunyata, which continues endlessly, before and after a hammer hits it. Not only that, but all things are endowed with original practice within the original case, which is impossible to measure. You should know that even if all the Buddhas in the ten directions, as numerous as the sands of the Ganges River, together engage the full power of their Buddha wisdom, they could never reach the limit or measure or comprehend the virtue of one person's zazen. Thank you. So that is pretty spectacular. And I want to just point out that much of that text comes from Bendawa, but Bendawa even illuminates a, a little bit more. Bendawa goes beyond um, what we chant in Jujuyuzamai. So, as I, as I mentioned, I want to talk about first the concept of self, because, you know, we, um, I think, get it kind of drilled into our heads, you know, that, that there's nothing at all has substantial, independent, undying self, that everything is emptiness, that the self is empty. And while that is true, what I think Dogen is trying to say is that actually everything is self. We, um, you know, we, we may, can maybe think about, you know, the famous passage from Genjo Koan, uh, to study the Buddha way is to study the self. We start right here. To study the self is to forget the self. We forget it, but, but it's still there. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. When actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. And what I think this has to do with is, you know, we have a tendency to think that there is myself and then whole other world, the whole world around us. And in fact, what Dogen is saying is through 
all of these words about, you know, grasses and trees and fences and tiles, the whole world is really nothing but the self. You know, we each experience the world from our own particular Dharma position, which is formed by our own history and karma, maybe our own personal inclinations, our own personal capabilities. The world was born with you and for all intents and purposes, and it dies with you. You know, you can be living in hell, you can be living in a heavenly realm, or you can be living in some combination. But we, I think part of what Dogen is saying is we create the world that, that we live in. And, and that is ourself. We, when everything that we relate to in the world, we're relating to our, a concept that, of it that is in our mind. And, and so the world is, is for each of us, our own personal world. So then Zazen can be thought of as the self settling in to experience itself, that, you know, that, that all things are one and exist in awakening. So that is maybe what is different from some of the intellectual study is that we're, we don't have to be, we don't have to, we don't have to be, you know, studying sutras. Sutras can help in their illumination of our, of our awareness. But the idea is not to intellectually comprehend anything. And in fact, we can't really intellectually comprehend it, which I think is maybe part of why this is, is difficult to talk about. So I also wanted to talk just a little bit about wholeheartedness and um, maybe not so, yeah, I guess in the, also in, in what we chant in Judaism, I, Dogen says, when, when one displays the Buddha mudra with one's whole body and mind, sitting upright in this samadhi even for a short time, that's, that's wholeheartedness, when we're, when we're doing something completely. And what Dogen is saying is, you know, this is the way to practice. So the wholeheartedness allows everything to come forth in enlightenment and awakening and allows us to live out oneness by just just being yourself. Wholeheartedness means, you know, doing something completely with your whole heart or your whole being, whatever it is that you're doing, you just, you just do it. So, you know, when we sit, we are just sitting. And when we speak, we're just speaking. And to me, this kind of harkens back to one of the, you know, early teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha, the Satipatthana Sutra, which is the teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness um, that this sutra talks about, you know, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feelings and sensations, mindfulness of mind, and then mindfulness of mental objects. And Buddha continually talks about just being aware of what is happening within and without. When I'm taking on a long breath, I know that I'm taking in a long breath. And when I'm taking in a short breath, I know that I'm taking in a short breath. And so we practice in such a way that we are continually coming back to awareness of what we're doing. And honestly, we're continually losing awareness of what we're doing because that's what we do as human beings. But, pra- but with practice, we are continually coming back to being here, just being, being present. And, you know, we, we, try, we, we cultivate this awareness in Zazen. And then we work to bring this Zazen mind to our activities in the world. So, you know, back when we were in our temple space, that might involve 
um, kinhim, where we are walking with our zazen mind and just engaging in a basic activity to feel ourselves moving through space. It might take the form of work practice, where we're bringing our zazen mind to a simple activity of, of, of work. And it might also take the form of our sangha relationships, where we are interacting with each other mindfully and respectfully and carefully and bringing, we have so many opportunities when we are together and practicing together to bring our practice to a multitude of life activities that really helps to support us, I think, in bringing that practice to life when we're not in the temple or we're not on our cushion and we're maybe talking with our boss or um, having an argument with our partner or cleaning our house, you know, or, or cleaning up something in the world. So we, our practice can, our whole heart, <coughs> excuse me, wholehearted practice can, can ground us and is, the, and it serves as the grounds for continuing to cultivate and refine our, our awareness. But, you know, I, I want to also say that wholeheartedness really includes all of our activity. You know, even when you think you are being half-hearted or, or indecisive, you know, we're, we're fully half-hearted in that moment and fully indecisive. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're just gung-ho and, and doing something. It means that it, I think it refers more to, you know, just being present with what's happening. If you're, if you're feeling ambivalent, you're feeling fully ambivalent. Um, we're, we're fully there. So whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly. And maybe, maybe what I mean is, you know, be, be present for it. Be, be aware for it. Be aware. Be, be awake for your life. Don't hold yourself back from your life. Don't, um, when, when you're doing something, maybe this, I think it's an instruction to be present for it and don't, mentally be someplace else and, and physically doing something. So as you do things wholeheartedly, as we do things wholeheartedly, we can learn for ourselves, you know, what we are about and who we are. And when we meet the world wholeheartedly and completely, the world meets us the same way. Because as I was saying, there's the, the, the whole world is the self. The self is the whole world. We are, when we're there's, there's this call and response and, and a mutual interaction and we're con- constantly conditioning each other. But we're conditioning the world and the world is conditioning us because it's nothing other than ourselves. So this whole passage reminded me of a passage in um, Rebbe Anderson's wonderful book, Being Upright, that I just loved and I'm going to read it for you and maybe that'll be the kind of the opportunity for me to stop talking and for us to talk together. So in um, the chapter about the three refuges, uh, Reb is talking about appeal and response, and he tells this story, and I'll just read the story. Suzuki Roshi once told us about a young monk whose father was also a Zen priest. When the boy was about to enter the practice at Aheji, the Monastery of Eternal Peace, his father gave him this advice. When you get to Aheji, you will see that there is a big bell there. 
you will probably get a chance to ring it early in the morning. You will ring the bell, and after each ring, you will bow. When you ring the bell, just ring the bell. Still, when you ring it, remember that with every ringing of the bell, the great wheel of Buddha Dharma turns one degree. So the boy went to Aheji, and he did get his chance to ring the bell. He rang it joyfully with his whole heart, just as his father had taught him. When the abbot heard the ringing of the bell, he was deeply impressed. He wondered who was ringing the bell that way and asked to meet the young monk. The boy later became a great teacher. The person who gives naturally receives joy, and the person who receives gives joy. Just ring the bell with your whole heart out into the great whatever it is. When you ring it in this way, you are putting your life on the line and you are being met. In such a meeting, Buddha is coming alive, Dharma is coming alive, and Sangha is coming alive. So I hope that I hope that was joyful. I hope you enjoyed my talk. I think I don't have too much more of my own personal discourse, but maybe we can have a discourse together. And thank you for your patient attention. I think everybody, anyone who would like to speak could raise your hand and um, someone will recognize you. Anyone who's interested in participating can either raise your hand visually or if your camera's not on, just go ahead and click on participants in the bottom and you'll see a raise hand function. And we'll do our best to call on you. David. Good morning, Nation. Thank you very much for your talk. So there's one passage in the Jujuyu Zamai that, that seems really un incomprehensible to me. I don't know if that means that that's the one that I'm the closest to understanding or the farthest from understanding. But anyway, here's the passage, and I'll just put it in chat because I, I was just now looking at it again in the text. And so it says, if practice and enlightenment were separate as people commonly believe, I get that, I feel, it would be possible for them to perceive each other. I'm lost. I don't know what's perceiving what else. But that which is associated with perceptions cannot be the standard of enlightenment because deluded human sentiment cannot reach the, the, the standard of enlightenment. I, I, I'm so lost, I can't even, I can't even figure what that is, is about. Is, that about. is it saying don't second guess yourself in Zazen? I don't understand, the, I don't understand about perception. Well... That's a great question. And I, I was, it's funny because I, that's the one part that I've been sort of lingering over as well. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to take it apart and explain it like word by word for word. I think that um, them perceiving each other is practice and enlightenment. And I don't know how that would work exactly. I can't, I can't think of an example of how that would work, but um what he's saying really is that realization goes beyond our perceptions. When, and, and that made me, in, in the five minutes between Zazen and this talk, it made me go back and look up the 12-fold chain of causation because our perceptions don't, come at the beginning of that you know the the what the 12-fold chain of causation is about how things come to be and it starts with you know ignorance 
moves into like volitional formations or fabrications. Our, there's consciousness there and then there's name and form, but our six senses don't come until like the fifth stage of this. And then, and, and even then the sixth stage, I think is contact and sense impression and touching. And that I think is our perception. So there's a lot that is happening before we perceive things. And by the time we perceive things and, and can like get even a sense of what we're perceiving, you know, that maybe, maybe, you know, you touch a stove and you pull your hand away before you even realize it. But even before then things have been happening. And so I think this points to this, I think this passage points to the fact that things that, 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 Awakening goes beyond what we can perceive, and what we, what you know, what we, what we think we are, we are, is is part of who we are. But part of who we are is far more than what we think we are. That that and and perhaps our perceptions of that can um, increase or or expand through zazen, and and we begin to gain glimpses of. The fact that we're not just this one person that we are that, that we're that you know this is i think this is about interconnection practice and realization goes back to i'm so bad with names of people that i haven't met but i think it goes back to Wei Nung, who um you know met his teacher and and said you know practice I don't. I, I won't say that there isn't practice and real or realization, but that it, it cannot be defiled. They they can't be separated. We can't. This is part of the, the question of why do why do we practice if if everything is Buddha nature, you know? And why can't we just accept that? And that is, I think, one of the questions that Dogen answers later on in Bendawa is that it's not enough to just intellectually know these things. That we practice so that we experience these things so that we have experiential knowledge and so yeah diluted human sentiment cannot reach the standard of enlightenment but you know in some respects i think that diluted human sentiment is where we start we 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 have to start where we are and um i think part of what dogen says is that where we are is fully where we are. You know, that is whatever awakening we have in this moment is fully the awakening that we have. And it is an expression of awakening. And maybe our um, capacity will change through continued practice. But we are, we have that awakening inherent in the beginning because that's part of our Buddha nature. Does that, does that help? It does. Thank you. I, I, you give more to mull over. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. And, and you know, I think I'm aware that I may not have it completely right either. And so if there's anyone who would like to add to that or add, add your own understanding, please feel free. Oh. Um. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I, I, it's a wonderful subject, a wonderful talk, and an extremely difficult one to to, to talk about and, and deal with. Um, I have nothing more to add to it in the sense of, of, of clarifying it, but um, I know that, 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 especially like that bell ringing story, there, 
it, it wasn't it, it was the way the young monk rang the bell and the, the abbot could hear the way he rang the bell and that level of that level of of ringing the bell and and with 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 full body and mind or with body and mind dropping dropped away and and a ring it with with some other added added uh, karmic attachment is so subtle and so so difficult to get a get a hand on it a handle on it it's it's um it's it's a wonderful subject to to, to work on i i know my when i was in japan i studied with a rinzai teacher and then temples don't have doorbells. They have a little hanging bell there by the front door. You ring the bell if you want to be admitted. And, and he used to say that he could tell who was at the front door by the way they rang the bell, um, whether it was the postman or a student or you know, a, a friend. Or and that that subtlety of how how that's transmitted, how that mind is transmitted through something as simple as ringing a bell, has always fascinated me. And then I don't know any way of putting it in words. But anyway, thank you for for, the, for bringing up the subject, and I think it's a very important thing for us to to to, to think about. Thank you. I, I I I imagine that you can see that in people's working with wood or or um, or design that 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 sense of doing something wholeheartedly and naturally versus you know doing it with some self consciousness or or wish to impress, or or self-referential kind of thing. Is that? That's true. It does show. I mean, because I know that field so well, it becomes very clear um, when when you can see how people's and and with lots of things, you can see how people's personality or their their fears or 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 or, or, or their anxieties yet you know express themselves in how they do things. Yeah. <clears throat> but but how to. How to work with that in, in our practice? How to how to work with that in our practice? And the whole question of how to teach how to teach that is, I mean, I think you're doing a wonderful job. But it's just it's a very difficult thing to teach. Thank you for that. I you know I I think we each have our realms where we have maybe some expertise, and so we as as we gain. And so maybe this is an analogy that as we gain some expertise in a particular area, we can see. Um, maybe where others are coming from in that in that particular area. I know that I work with um, I with people who are becoming psychologists, and so I can you can see where their minds are at by you know how they have a conversation with someone. You can see where some what someone is what's going through someone's head, and and I think probably everybody has that in in some realm of your life, and and it's impossible to teach. How do you? How do you? And it's impossible to do because how do you? How do you stop being self-conscious? You know, you 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 can't you can't turn yourself towards it, which is um, kind of like ordinary mind. You can't direct yourself towards it. It it just it just has to ha- come out through through your practice. So thank you, thank you. Other thoughts that people have. The 
People keep moving around on my screen. Thank you, Douglas. You know, maybe the thing for us to do, maybe there isn't that much to say. Maybe the thing for us to do is to chant Bijuji's Am I together. And I want to add something that I think Tygen has said a lot, which is that when we chant things, we're also not trying to understand them intellectually. It's okay to just, you know, let them sort of flow over you and um, maybe a phrase will stick with you like like David was was illustrating. You know, maybe maybe a phrase will stay with you. And that phrase might be, you know, as we as we sort of roll a phrase over in our minds, we start to see things um, you know, during the week in light of that phrase. And I and I think that that's part of this wholehearted practice too, is that we come to as we practice with things and as we practice even with, with texts and things, we come to see our experiences organized in a particular way. And so maybe paying attention to some phrase that you really like in this text and then just seeing if that comes up in your mind during the week as you're encountering the things in your life will be illuminating. But uh, you know, I really want to. I really want to encourage everyone to, as Dylan has said sometimes on a, on a after morning's album, You know, don't hold back from your life. Just just show up and muddle through. And it, you may not always feel joyful about it. You may feel however you feel. You may feel half-hearted, but but allow that to be, and and allow yourself to continue to practice and to continue to reflect on yourself and your life and what's going on around you and and the ways in which each of us is reflecting each other so i will wrap up wonderful i'm going to mute everyone and bring up the powerpoint i hope All right, let's chant, chant the repentance verse together three times, followed by the Jujuyu Zamai. All my ancient twisted karma, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully evolve. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully evolve. 
All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now flee about. Ji Juju Sama For all ancestors and Buddhas who have been dwelling in and maintaining Buddha Dharma, practicing upright sitting in Ji Juju Samadhi is the true path for opening up enlightenment. Both in India and in China, those who attained enlightenment have followed this way. This is because each teacher and each disciple has been intimately and correctly transmitting this subtle method and receiving and maintaining its true spirit. According to the unmistakably handed down tradition, the straightforward Buddha Dharma that has been simply transmitted is supreme among the supreme. From the time you begin practicing with a teacher, the practices of incense burning, bowing, nenbutsu, repentance, and reading sutras are not at all essential. Just sit, dropping off body and mind. When one displays the Buddha mudra with one's whole body and mind, sitting upright in the samadhi even for a short time, everything in the entire Dharma world becomes Buddha mudra, and all space in the universe be completely becomes enlightenment. Therefore, it enables Buddha Tathagatas to increase the Dharma joy of their own original grounds and renew the adornment of the way of awakening. Simultaneously, all living beings of the Dharma world in the ten directions and six realms become clear and pure in body and mind, realize great emancipation, and their own original face appears. At that time, all things together awaken to supreme enlightenment and utilize Buddha body, immediately go beyond the culmination of awakening and sit upright under the regal Bodhi tree. At the same time, they turn the incomparable great Dharma wheel and begin expressing ultimate and unfabricated profound prajna. There is a path through which the unsurpassed complete enlightenment of all things returns to the person in Zazen, and that person and the enlightenment of all things intimately and imperceptibly assist each other. Therefore, this Zazen person without fail drops off body and mind, cuts away previous tainted views and thoughts, awakens the genuine Buddha Dharma, universally helps the Buddha work in each place, as numerous as atoms, where Buddha Tathagatas teach and practice, and widely influences practitioners who are going beyond Buddha, thereby vigorously exalting the Dharma that goes beyond Buddha. At this time, because earth, Grasses and trees, fences and walls, tiles and pebbles, and all things in every direction in the universe carry out Buddha work. So everyone receives the benefit of wind and water movement caused by this functioning, and all are imperceptibly helped by the wondrous and incomprehensible influence of Buddha to actualize the enlightenment at hand. Since those who receive and use this water and the extend the Buddha influence of original enlightenment. All who live and talk with these people also share and universally unfold the boundless Buddha virtue, 
and they circulate the inexhaustible, ceaseless, incomprehensible, and immeasurable Buddha Dharma within and without the whole Dharma world. However, these various mutual influences do not mix into the perceptions of this person sitting, because they take place within stillness without any fabrication, and they are enlightenment itself. If practice and enlightenment were separate as people commonly believe, it would be possible for them to perceive each other. But that which is associated with perceptions cannot be the standard of enlightenment, because deluded human sentiment cannot reach the standard of enlightenment. Moreover, although both body, both mind and object appear and disappear within stillness, because this takes place in the realm of jijuyu, self-receiving and self-employing, without moving a speck of dust or destroying a single form, extensive Buddha work and profound subtle Buddha influence are carried out. The grass, trees, and earth affected by this functioning together radiate great brilliance and endlessly expound the deep, wondrous Dharma. Grasses and trees, fences and walls, demonstrate and exalt it for the sake of living beings, both ordinary and sage. In turn, living beings, both ordinary and sage, express and unfold it for the sake of grasses and trees, fences and walls. The realm of self-awakening and awakening others is fundamentally endowed with the quality of enlightenment with nothing lacking, and allows the standard of enlightenment to be actualized ceaselessly. Therefore, even if only one person sits for a short time, because this zazen is one with all existence and completely permeates all time, it performs everlasting Buddha guidance within the inexhaustible Dharma world in the past, present, and future. Zazen is equally the same practice and the same enlightenment for both the person sitting and for all dharmas. The melodious sound continues to resonate as it echoes, not only during sitting practice, but before and after striking shunyata, which continues endlessly before and after a hammer hits it. Not only that, but all things are endowed with original practice within the original face, which is impossible to measure. You should know that even if all the Buddhas in the ten directions, as numerous as the sands in the Ganges River, together engage the full power of their Buddha wisdom, they could never reach the limit, or measure, or comprehend the virtue of one person's zazen. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness we have chanted the Jijuyu Zamai. We dedicate this merit to... Our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha. Our first woman ancestor, great teacher Maha Prajapati. Our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma. Our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Eihei Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu. The Perfect Wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri. Gratefully we offer this virtue to all beings. All Buddhas throughout space and time. All Honored Ones Bodhisattvas Mahasattvas. 
Wisdom beyond wisdom, Maha Prajna Paramita.